welcome back to this week's episode of Not D&D. As always, I'm your host, Jessica. It's brought to you by EN World Live. And joining me this week, we have Kayla Dice. Kayla, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, happy to be here. Excellent. Um, so we're going to be talking about your game this week, uh, Terminal, the Digital Pirate Action TTRPG. And Digital Pirate Action is an excellent tagline. I knew it drew me in. And hopefully everyone else listening and watching, uh, it'll draw them in as well. Uh, so we'll be talking about the game. Um, if you're watching the live stream, hello, thanks for watching live. Please do feel free to get involved in the chat and ask any questions and we will try and answer them. Uh, and if you're listening to the podcast, anything we're talking about, we'll have links in the show notes so you can take a look as well. Um, so, Kayla, before we dig into the game and talking about Terminal, I'll start with talking a little bit about you, uh, if we may, because um, you are, um, I'll brag for you in case you don't, but winner <laughs> of the Diana Jones Award for Emerging Designers Programme in 2023. So congratulations. Thank and, you. Yeah. <laughs> well, seems like you weren't that. And uh, so I wanted to, if people aren't familiar with um, you and what you do, could you give us a little intro to yourself and the kind of games that you like to make? Yeah, so I have now been making games since like December 2020. So I guess I think I realized recently I ran a sale because it was like my free year anniversary of doing things. Oh, wow. um, I make games in a variety of styles. And what I often say is they all sort of focus in different ways on themes of alienation and connection. I've mm-hmm. My tagline in some marketing on a banner I put was like misfit games because I think they're all just... Mm-hmm. strange or off the beaten path in some way so terminal is the biggest game i've ever met written and put out Amazing. um it was the first time i like worked with a full team of people um before then everything i had made was more sort of just made entirely on my own and then put out on itch so terminal was really terminal and a lot of stuff i did last year were an attempt to try and uh move bigger i used to work as a teacher and since september of last year what i've been trying to do is make making games um my my main thing <laughs> so yeah terminal yeah, and other previous things i've made with like transgender deathmatch legend which was a fighting game basically <laughs> yeah as well as yeah things which focus a bit more on like relationships in small mm-hmm. intimate moments and then Amazing. we go to this, which is huge and epic scale. Of course, which we will dig into, I promise. But um, going back a bit, so like like you say, three years you've been been making games, which you know, congratulations, that's exciting. Um, but how did you start with role playing games? What was? Do you remember the first game that you ever played? Um, do I remember the exact first game? So I came to role playing games uh, comparatively late in life, I guess, in the sense that I came as an adult. I didn't have much mm-hmm. childhood exposure of role-playing games at least is not insisted as systems or books or stuff the closest i got to that was like computer games or mm. this is a reference that believe it makes sense or i'll have to explain okay um, a bit of but i used to be a fan of wrestling and there was mm-hmm. a thing on wrestling where you would do like message board role play uh, which is called efeds so i did okay. some of that this is like my prehistory of rpgs then what i take to cool. like actually coming to RPGs is in 2018, someone I was living with invited me to go to the London Indie RPG meetup where mm-hmm. uh, people just pitched games they wanted to play as one shots in the afternoon. So I don't know the name of it and I don't know if it ever came out, but the first game I ever played, I remember, was like a GM-less cyberpunk heist game. And oh, then cool. I think 
the second game I ever played was probably Monster Heart. So all of my like mm-hmm. early foundational stuff for uh, TTRPGs was more in a sort of indie story game sphere. Um, yeah. Somewhat atypically, I've never played D&D and don't actually know very <laughs> much about it. <laughs> Well, perfect for this podcast, then. You're in the right place for it. Yeah, I was about to say, it's really interesting, because most people have started with D&D. I also didn't start with D&D. I started in a more indie space, and I also started as an adult as well, gaming. So it's interesting. I wonder if starting role-playing as an adult and not with D&D influences the sort of games that people are interested in and the games that they ultimately kind of go on to make. Because I'll be fair to say that your games are not like D&D. I wouldn't compare that as a reference point. Would that be fair to say? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I feel I feel like some people for whom D&D is like a big part of their life, a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. they make is in conversation with it, um, which I'm not yeah. saying as a criticism, just as a fact. They're sure. like, oh, this is what I found as like an early foundational game. This is what mm-hmm. I found frustrating or interesting. And that that like root is still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, ultimately in some way, I think like the equivalent of the the game for me that I'm often thinking about as the early experience is probably something like Monstars or Story Games. So mm-hmm. the level of complexity in D&D is something that I've always found very alienating. And it's probably mm-hmm. why I attribute to, I mean, that and not it just not having found me, but it's why I yeah. would struggle to imagine it being a thing I could have been into as a kid yeah. just because of the things I was into. Fair enough. Well, speaking of uh, things you're into and influences, um, I'd love to get into talking about Terminal um, as well. Uh, so could you, for people that haven't heard of Terminal, could you give us the, the pitch and the summary for what it is? So the pitch of Terminal is the life as you know it of early turn of the 21st century Earth is a lie. It is a simulation called the Terminal, which is operated by the robot authority who keep humanity essentially under control in dream state, not because they're needing to do so for any sort of survival, but because they believe Mm -hmm. they know the way that life should exist. And outside of the simulation, there are people who've broken free sort of outcasts, rejects, people who just couldn't fit in with the way the world was and then had to sort of break out and change it. And they trawl the seas as digital pirates. They do battle with the robots on the seas as well as then jacking in back into the terminal to try and work to take it down so it is Mm -hmm. very inspired by the matrix but essentially turning the outside world uh into a sort of post-apocalyptic pirate thing they're all sort of dispatched from the island libertatia which is a kind of you know implicit anarcho-communist setting Mm-hmm. It's it's a game with post-apocalypse, dystopias, utopias, a lot of different sort of scenes. And yeah, you're going in, diving in and confronting individual crashes where you're fighting agents of the system or other sort of like third parties or systems who maybe have their own sort of agendas and stuff. And you're working to crash the world, basically. Sounds great. Someone in the comments has asked the question, so the Matrix with parrots and eye patches. Yeah, definitely. It's absolutely <laughs> so like the inner world that's very matrix like and then when you get to the outer world it's very pirate themed um mm-hmm. both in the sense of like the aesthetics you might be trading in but also I think in a lot of the spirit of pirate fiction which can kind of be mm-hmm. about for better or worse being about outside of society outside mm-hmm. of like their limits and that opening possibilities and 
danger in terms of like well how does society feel about you trying to to not be there yeah absolutely so uh, with the game um like you said excellent thing there matrix obviously like a reference but there kind of are many more could you talk a little bit more about the other references and inspirations you had making this game so obviously the one half of it was pirate fiction and bring that in i think a lot of my conception of pirate fiction comes from things like black sails uh iterations of treasure island of which there are like many Mm -hmm. and then i guess like just a lot of sort of thematic stuff in terms of things within the world there's a lot of different stuff in there and there's like a big inspirations book at the back i did some blog posts about different aspects of it because there's the matrix itself but also other things i say like twin peaks as a reference point sometimes Mm -hmm in a lot of ways, just for a sort of the way the dreamlike logic of the simulation works, which also brings in some paprika influence. There's there's a sort of ethereal unreality to the inner workings of Terminal, which comes, I think, more from those influences than it does from the Matrix itself. There's a bit of stuff in Matrix 1 there, you know, the sort of not knowing if you're waking or dreaming. Mm-hmm. Um, Twin Peaks and Paprika also then inspire specific individual storylines. Um, there's one scenario which draws a lot of inspiration from, like, the Dream Parade in Paprika. There's one that has the sort of twisted suburbia that I was thinking of, sort of Blue Velvet. And then... I guess the other thing when thinking about inspiration is often sort of commentary as well. Uh, Mm. Certain things develop out of ideas I found interesting in the Matrix or in other things, but wanted to interrogate and wanted to see from different lights. And then also I think some inspiration comes from other games I've played. So Mm -hmm. the sort of core system uh, of the book was a hack of Inevitable by Soul Muppet Publishing. Mm-hmm. and I played in a campaign of that, and even the very different genre experience, really different sort of societal focuses. Yeah. But it did, in some senses, inspire me in terms of, both in terms of the system, but also in terms of the story arc that focuses more on the inner workings of the island Libertatia and how your character is perceived. Mm-hmm. But then there's there's lots of smaller stuff. I, I mm-hmm. said in a blog post recently... The hedonist as a character, I can point to an inspiration where, like, they're a bit the Merovingian, they're a bit this character from Mass Effect, they're a bit this, and then I can also Mm -hmm. go, they're also one of my friends. This character is me at 19, (laughs) this character is me at 28. Uh, Inspiration's a funny thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to jump back to you were talking about the system uh, there a little bit. Uh, So people that aren't familiar with the system, could you give an overview of, of mechanically how the game works? So... The way it works is essentially that your character is mainly defined by their reputations, mm-hmm. uh, which is the way they are perceived both by the robot authority, by your pirate comrades, as well as sort of any other people who are having big opinions about you. Within the game, you kind of have this built up of a series of challenges across scenes that lead to one pivotal showdown. Uh, where challenges, you build a dice pool, you're leveraging things like your reputation, like any sort of equipment you have, which otherwise is just really focused on the fiction. And then we see how things play out, and there can be successes earning showdown tokens, which go into this eventual showdown and are essentially a boost, a bonus. We're working on like this overall goal in whatever the mission is in the simulation Mm -hmm. here. But also there can be consequences, and sometimes that might be 
okay, you've gained an advantage, they've gained an advantage. You're still sort mm -hmm. of neck and neck as things progress. Or it could be, okay, you're really dealing well with this, but you've ignored this other thing and some other threats elsewhere are developing badly, could be damages to how people think of you or feel about you. That's the, the sort of challenge and the buildup of these stories. You play a band of daring pirates, mm -hmm. sailing the ship, plugging into the simulation, fighting the agents inside and the robots outside. But or once you get to these pivotal showdowns, which might end individual operations or even bigger story arcs, you are gambling everything on a single roll where you have all your bonuses okay. from everything you've earned, mm -hmm. uh, but then you also get to add other bonuses by what you're willing to sacrifice. So mm -hmm. if a showdown is, oh, we need to defeat this uh the end of one of the scenarios involves like you've dived into a sleeper's mind um mm -hmm. and you are trying to wake them up from the simulation itself and they're stopped by a program who's a twisted doppelganger of them a version who's not mm -hmm. unsatisfied a version who is fitting in in society who dresses the right way who says the right things and is able to is able to sort of hold down jobs and rent and other stuff which this actual sleeper is struggling with and mm -hmm. you're fighting this program within their mindscape you may have all the bonuses from how well you've done that could be like a that could be free things so it's like plus three and then you would say what you're willing to sacrifice and it could be giving mm -hmm. up something physical you say like oh, i want to sacrifice this weapon um or i want to damage our ship in some way and go mm -hmm. okay that's plus three so you've got like a plus six here and you're rolling to beat the overall threat posed by this thing or it could be other things it could be i want to change my reputation i want to kill this program in a way that's really violent i had a reputation that was like fair and now this is going to get replaced by something that says cruel and they're like oh well a lot of people aren't going to trust you because of that now that's mm -hmm. maybe worth like a plus five and if we're trying to beat this score of of 10 okay we've got a plus five and we add a single roll to that so it's big swings and it yeah focuses the game on what you're willing to give up and what you're willing to essentially burn down to mm -hmm. build a future that matters to you and the characters around you amazing i imagine that could be something like kind of emotional and personal to you as well you could could it be something like i'm gonna do this but it's probably gonna break this character and they're not gonna be the same after doing it could you do something to immediately take yeah. it to a dark place. Sorry, that's no, typically absolutely. me in this type of game, yeah. It's, yeah. It could be you gain a reputation which is haunted mm. because of the mm. things you've seen or what you did. It could be about your relationships. It could be I'm going to viciously kill this character or I'm going to sacrifice my relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that the fact that I'm going to run off and deal with this problem on our ship means that the ship's navigator who i've been dating for for three months in storyline mm -hmm. they they can't trust me anymore because they don't they think i'm too self-sacrificing the consequence there is that relationship is destroyed and because it's mm -hmm. yeah focused on what it means to the characters and the narratives you could be like oh yeah plus six plus six for that that's giving up the relationship <laughs> obviously that's huge so as a, a GM, when you're running this game, you have these challenges and talking about the consequences of that. Is it, is it quite freeform then in how you interpret like the pluses or the minuses or mechanically what that means? Yeah, I think a lot of the GM's responsibility in Terminal is making 
judgment calls about what something uh, represents, uh, how something is uh, valued mechanically at least. Mm -hmm. And that judgment call is kind of also about uh, the kind of game you want to be playing. If you yeah. say, I want to really focus on material consequences for things, and maybe you don't want to necessarily have big reputational swings or changes to the character be mm -hmm. there, you say, how does this affect our overall chances of defeating mm -hmm. the robot authority? That could be one way AGM and A table plays it if that's how they feel. Or it could be, I really want to focus on the narrative. I want big costs. I'm going to award big costs when something hurts because this is the story we're telling rather than the history. It's a lot of interpreting that, but there's also a lot of guidance. There's a, mm -hmm. a whole table of examples I think ranging from, I can't actually remember the numbers off the top of my head, but there's a whole table of examples that help guide you and suggestions. I think it's a game that lays out a lot of big picture scenarios and hopefully models how you can break that down into more granular sessions of play. Uh, I think it involves a lot of trust at the table to play fairly, or at least a lot mm -hmm. of like good open lines of communication but yeah. I do think the game hopefully facilitates and helps you out and is there in terms of making you feel like you know what you're doing. Excellent, yeah. With um, running a game as well, so you have, in the game, you have kind of two stages or genres. You have time in the terminal and then time in the real world, and they're, they're going to feel a bit different, I imagine, because of the nature of what they are. And it looks quite open as how often you spend time in either because it depends on the characters and the story you're telling. How do you kind of run the game? What sort of balance do you have and what guidance do you, do you give to other people running the game? Yeah. So personally for me, I think when I run things and it's been commented on by some people who like this and some people who don't, it's really, I imagine just personal preference. I pull yeah. back the curtain so much to ask people. I may go, okay, we could do, pursue this lead in the terminal or we could pursue it in the wake. I can make it work either way. What what scene are people more interested in playing out? That's how I often approach stuff and I might have like mm -hmm. bigger picture early conversations. Within the game itself, I say this is really a matter of sort of fine tuning things. You can pull out of the simulation loads and it can be about approaching lots of stuff from different angles or you can stay mm -hmm. in there. I remember saying, you know, you, there's probably ways of playing this where it's like 50%. I think, I imagine I probably play it out as like 80% in the simulation and 20% in the terminal. But in games I've run, it's common for like one session to be all terminal action. And then we did an entire session, which was a sort of cool down one where we were entirely on the pirate island of Atatia and meeting those characters. And we weren't mm -hmm. plugging in at all. We were just reacting to what had happened. Um, the game, like I said, has a lot of different scenarios. Of those, four are very focused on in the simulation. One mm -hmm. is focused entirely on the pirate island and the inner workings of the pirates and their relationship with each other. And then the other, I may have misspoken there, three, one, two. Yeah, then there's a two, which are a lot of mix, a lot of back and forth. You're tracking yeah. things down. You're looking about in the wake on the seas. But then once you track down, you're, you're plugging in. So it is a case of if you have a, a way of GMing that's maybe more um, top down, I imagine it's more you make that call early on and you decide what's being featured. Mm -hmm. For me, it will be a lot of checking in, but that's really just a difference of uh, yeah. GM style rather than me making that as a, 
as a pull of like you should be doing this because that's I wrote the game and that's how you should be doing it it's more (laughs) that's how I do it because I'd find it fun sure you're not going to come around and tell people off for running it a different way in their house I guess yeah yeah if someone's (laughs) if someone said yeah I reckon this is like a a 60 terminal, 540 wake, and I'm just deciding that ahead of time. I'm not going to go like, hey, uh, you're going to need a license for that that kind of <laughs> GMing decision. Can I see Fair your enough. credentials? Fair enough. So leaving it open, which is great. Um, opposite of leaving it open is controlling things. And obviously control is a really key theme in the game because you have the robot authority, which are controlling all these people that are you know in in the terminal and plugged in uh and that's a theme i kind of thought was interesting to to play with the game because control can sometimes be very obvious but sometimes it can be more subtle and kind of coercive could you could you talk about control and that theme in in the game and and how it appears in that yeah it's it emerged early on as like the the big theme for me and so much in the way this is a game about control about people who want to control you and often that way of control being to make you doubt yourself or mm-hmm. doubt your sanity or your perception of things and then people exploiting that it's a game that in its like early sort of content warnings i say you know as written this is threaded with a lot of themes of of coercive control mm-hmm. um i give that as a warning to the the reader of the book uh, first and foremost because i think they deserve that consideration um i do then say in a running experience this can be a de-emphasized it could become more authoritarian coded if that was the story you were interested in playing but i I think it's very important to to be fair with the reader of what they should expect as they go through the book yeah it manifests in a lot of different ways the terminal and the robot authority their antagonists within the system they've had for a long time this uh essentially god of the terminal who's called the director who just structures things and relies on a lot of predictability this is the way things work this is the way things look uh but in this latest cycle of rebooting their simulation repeatedly they've introduced a new uh major antagonistic program who focuses a lot more on personal manipulation and blackmail and threats and specifically trying to keep people miserable I think I said in a blog post maybe that I think a lot of the scenarios in the game are about standing up and trying to pull away from control in different faces. Uh, Tortures of the Killer, which if you're watching the live stream is on screen right now, Mm -hmm. um, is one that focuses a lot on threats and blackmail and essentially uh, people being hurt to try and keep you in line. Something like multiplied by zero i think focuses a lot on control of of people taking over and overwhelming you and or one person making it seem like there is this big sort of flood that Mm -hmm. is overwhelming you uh curations of the archivist focuses on on a character an antagonistic character who is freezing things and trying to keep them in pristine conditions so it's all these different angles and a lot of time you're needing to make an argument I think in some ways, at least as I was thinking of it, of like, why all of these people are wrong. Like they're saying something about you, your character specifically, and you're Mm. you're standing up and saying they're wrong. Tortures of the Killer is saying, we know how to get you to do what we want. Multiplied by Zero is saying like, the way you feel isn't good enough. Curations of the Archivist is saying you have a purpose and you should be sticking in that. Mm -hmm. 
and and so on and so on and all of these points are about saying sort of like you know telling the robot authority and systems like screw you you're wrong mm -hmm. i know what i'm doing yeah i love that in the game and i love what you mentioned as well about letting people know in advance because that's a theme some people aren't interested in exploring and playing with so i think saying hey this is in the game so people know they can pick it up and play with it or they can change it so they're not playing with with, with that sort of sort of game yeah. if they don't want to yeah i definitely think it's something where it's in the writing so it's that it's there to see definitely mm -hmm. as a reader engaging with a book as an audience um mm -hmm. it's there and it's the thing that has to be there and if that's too much for you i'd i'd very strongly just say like you know leave it leave it right yeah. now come back to it maybe sometime when you feel you want to engage with that theme as a player and a gm though i'd say you can mm -hmm. remove it easily and there's a lot of stuff mm -hmm. on individual crashes and specific content warnings i give them where i'm like you can pull this crash entirely out of the game and it matters nothing you can use this crash and just pull this element out this one it doesn't it's not a load bearing scenario but like yeah just maybe take it this out because it's it's these themes and mm -hmm. yeah build i i hope and you know i i hope and i did what i think is my best in terms of within the way you use the world that's in the game i hope i've given people the tools to do that safely um absolutely um well Speaking about the game, um, Terminal was crowdfunded in July of last year. Congratulations, uh, funded on there. And you've had your digital release in December, uh, if I'm correct. Uh, so if people are interested in picking up a copy of the game or interested in learning more, where's a good place for them to go online to, to get a digital copy of the game? So buying digital copy now, the best place to do that is itch. Uh, so ratwavegamehouse.itch.io slash terminal. That's mm -hmm. where you can purchase the digital versions so that's written and designed by me. It is beautifully illustrated by Gorman Geist, who's also an amazingly talented designer. It's really mm -hmm. slick and gorgeous, but also so much art in it. I remember looking at and going specifically, mm -hmm. yes, uh, this this feels very, very powerful in terms of like how it strikes a lot of the heart of things. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was edited by Alyssa Ridley. So if you go online digitally, itch.io, um, broadway.gamehouse.itch.io slash terminal. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And talking about art a little bit there, because I, I, I forgot to kind of ask you about it. So what... The, the, the game, people watching the live stream can see pictures of it. And if you're listening to the podcast, there's there's links so you can go have a look there. But it has a very distinct and clear art style. So I imagine you had a real collaborative conversation about what you wanted for that. What was what was your vision for the way the, the, the game looked? So I remember I created a big mood board early on when I first connected with uh, Gorman Geist, which included a lot of visual inspiration for what I imagine inside the terminal. It was a lot of modern clothes. I imagined it inspired I want. I remember specifically when I was looking for an artist. I remember going. I want someone who can do fashion very well, and I want someone who can do action because it's an action mm -hmm. game in the kinds of stories it's telling. And Gorman mm -hmm. Ghost is great at like dynamic, beautiful scenes. But then fashion specifically because I think it was important because so much of the characters' self-image in the terminal is about how they want to express mm -hmm. themselves. It's uh, taking control of their appearance. So. I gathered a lot of sort of like punk fashion, queer fashion, like sort of club gear. And that was 
how the world inside the terminal looks. Then mm -hmm. outside, it's a focus on pirate stuff while also being a sort of post-apocalyptic in some senses, kind of like post-post-apocalyptic because it's uh, moved sort of further, but giving a sense of the characters in the wake where they are making do with with scraps they're doing they're really well at making do with scraps but mm -hmm. uh it's things are a little more sort of rugged and made out of recycled materials um repurposed sort of salvage mm -hmm. and a beautiful thing which was gormongeist's initial suggestion she talked about how she did a different color focusing on like uh a very specific palette and then very mm -hmm. shades of there so we ended up deciding on one palette for inside the terminal and then one palette for images uh, in the wake, the real world, uh, which mm -hmm. I think looks really beautiful in the game. It's mm -hmm. such a quick, decisive way of telling sort of what scene mm -hmm. something belongs to. Um, yeah, so that was a lot of the collaboration there. And then early stuff was like, oh, I think I'd need this scene. I was sort of building the book with pieces of art in mind of where they'd go. And also I remember for a lot of uh, images as well, maybe not a lot, maybe I'm overstating that when I break down the whole, but there's definitely a point in the process I remember I sent her an email being like, oh, I need some stuff for challenges, showdowns and this. Is there anything you we haven't done that you'd like mm -hmm. to be drawing? Oh, um, nice. Because I did want it to be, you know, a collaborative Mm -hmm. effort uh where we're, we're co-creators of the game because i think the visual style here sort of so perfectly conveys the game and what it's about to people and there are there are some really beautiful pieces in the game which i think really come to like certain elements of like a trans experience that i was bringing forefront in bringing Sorry, let me rephrase that because I just stumbled over my words a lot. There's certain parts of like uh, transness and queerness that I feel uh, really beautifully shown in certain pieces um, mm -hmm. nearer the the back of the book um, and just illustrating stuff that I felt was really, really great about the game. And it could only exist because of that collaboration. Wonderful. Well, it is a gorgeous book. I love the artwork in it and I love the, the graphic design and the layout as well. It feels like an, the layout is so important in RPGs, I think, because it's how you interact with the game, how you learn it. And um, it can really change your gaming experience for how easy it is to digest the information. Um, and especially for me, because I'm dyslexic. So reading things has never been like a love of mine. Uh, but I had to say this book- Same, really, I've loved recently. Yeah. yeah, but so the way things are laid out is kind of so important for how you digest information. And the way this was laid out, I found really nice to kind of have a look at so you feel you can absorb the information and, and know kind of where you need to go with things. So I, I wanted to shout that out as well to anyone else uh, thinking about picking up the game. Um, I'm really excited Thank to get a you. physical copy because I, I'm a sucker for physical books and if you can see the, the collection and things behind me. Uh, so what are your plans for like a physical release of the book? Because it's available digitally now, so we can get that now, which is great. But what's the, what are the plans in 2024 for physical copies? Yeah, so tomorrow at the time of the interview, which will be Tuesday the 23rd, I'm doing a update to Terminal digitally because okay. uh, people who followed along with the Kickstarter may remember 
a series of stretch goals were for guest writers to create techno fables, essentially putting their own spin on different parts of the world of Terminal. Kind of like mm -hmm. the Animatrix, but for RPGs, I guess. Sure. Not really, yeah, okay. but I think that was a great line. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I was just uh, over the last month and a half getting people's stretch goals edited and back to them. And they are, I've now put them into layout. So there'll be an update to add all of that great work from the guest writers. Then I will, as I send out that update and say, hey, all of these stretch goal stuff is in there. I will be saying, can anyone tell me you've now had a bit of time with the game and also there'll just be a week here can anyone tell me if they've noticed any mistakes that slipped past as a sort of just catchment grace period yeah, yeah. then at the end of that week i'll be sending terminal to printers and we'll get work on fulfillment we're using soul muppet publishing as a uh, fulfillment partner basically uh, the game will be sent and initially sold out of their store and all of the kickstarter back as you back to physical will receive uh, code to work through the store mm -hmm. uh, but yeah so that means oh. terminal if physical should be i feel sort of i could i could expect starting to go out around february um Ooh, exciting or i don't know where exactly i i'm not necessarily great on shipping uh, information mm -hmm. off the top of my head so i don't know when it will be getting to people but february will be definitely when that's starting Amazing. and from there, I'll also uh, have it available at conventions and oh, nice. places going forward. Amazing. Are you going to any conventions this year? Have you got any planned? or? I So I did Dragon Meet last December. Um, mm -hmm. I believe I should be going to UK Games Expo. Um, Perfect. Other ones, other smaller ones I might sort of try and take a look at. I've also, mm -hmm. where I live in London, I'm trying this sort of start of the year to be going to sort of like local yeah. art markets and such and seeing if they're a place where people might be interested in buying TPTRPGs. Uh, so mm -hmm. if that if that starts to prove good and I end up doing it again, there's a chance I'll, I'll show up at a market randomly <laughs> with yeah. 10 copies of Terminal if you're in London. <laughs> amazing. So just local markets, have a look in London and see if it's there. Um, <laughs> amazing. Well, and... Um, I know you have plans, you have other plans for things that you're doing at the moment as well. What are your future plans over uh, at Ratwave? So I recently did a big newsletter where I was talking about a lot of my upcoming plans. The sort of first, most immediate one is I am going to crowdfunder on February 6th where I'm going to be launching a small zine called Ritual Magic for Besties. Um, I'm co-creating it with the artist Molamute. It is a GM-less tarot game where you play like a coven of interconnected spellcasters who are getting together, mm -hmm. exploring their personal history and using that to, to cast magic spells. I've then done a few previews of different games I'm hoping to be taking to various stages this year. I'm working on a sequel to Transgender Deathmatch Legend. I'm working mm -hmm. on... A belonging outside belonging game about diving into uh physical dungeons that are emerging from people's trauma i'm hopefully got a lot of exciting projects and it's yeah. just hoping that they 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 come together hoping that they're well received um so yeah if you're listening i'd really encourage and it sounds like you're 
kind of game, I'd really encourage checking out the Ritual Magic for Besties crowdfunder because some support there could be really helpful. And then, yeah, hopefully I'll be hitting up conventions, markets if people are interested in TTRPGs there. And hopefully I'll be trying to freelance, which is I'm also available for freelance layout and writing work. I did the layout. I was the layout artist for Terminal as well as the the writer, the the very praised on this podcast, thankfully. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. I'm excited for, for what I'm hopefully going to get going in 2024. I'm excited too as well. And um, so if you're interested in following Keeping Up With That, uh, if you go to ratwave.uk, uh, that's the website with all the social links and stuff and information. So if any of that sounds appealing, I'm sure if you go to ratwave.uk, you can find um, more links and information to anything that interested you there. Um, Kayla, thanks so much for coming on and uh, talking to me and giving up your time to share your game uh, with me. Um, before I let you go, I do have a question I ask everyone, and it's if you have any recommendations for any other um, tabletop RPGs, and the rules are it can't be D&D, but it sounds like it, that wouldn't be one of your recommendations anyway, um, and it also can't be a game that, that you've made. So do you have any other uh, games you'd like to shout out? I, yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot. What I've been reading lately... Uh, since I got it last year, and I've been really enjoying reading. I picked up a Dragon Meat Talk by Williams. It's Rally Road Racing, mm-hmm. um, sort of Mad Max style gameplay uh, mm-hmm. on a grid, torn between like rally sessions where you're doing sort of combat uh, to each other on the road as you're driving to wherever your destination is, and then rest stops. It seems just from reading through it seems really interesting exciting it's laid out in a really fun way that at least for me i find i find really uh helps guide my eye and also uh thank you for having me on the podcast and yeah uh enjoying the game it's such a such an honor thank you well you're very welcome thanks so much for for making the game um so i think we've run up to the end of our time there so thank you for your recommendations and for for your time coming on very excited to see what you're doing in the future and if you have any other games you want to come on and share with us you have our details now um and thank you to everyone that's listened or watched the podcast if any of this has been remotely interesting to you i'd really recommend uh, you check out the website because the best way to support indie tabletop rpg creators is to buy their things um i think that's all from us uh this week so on that note i will say thank you very much and goodbye thank you very much Bye. bye